Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and boy, do I have a surprise for all of you. I have on Zoom with me right now Mark D. Valente, and he is the host of Brain Burrow, digging deep into psychology and horror. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? Well, I'm fantastic, Slasher Scotty. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Not a problem. I'm glad you can join me. I'm glad we can make this happen. Um, I know uh, I really am. I was, as I always do with my guests, I always uh, research a lot of them, even especially if, you know, I know a lot about them. I like to see if there's anything that I would like to ask that maybe they haven't been asked before. And uh, I was researching your channel and it's very interesting. I will admit I am very interested and I can't wait to find out about Brainborough and how this came to be. Um, so I guess to start off, what is for those that are unaware, what is Brainborough? What is this show about? Yeah, great, uh, great question. Thanks so much. Uh, something tells me you've done this before. Hmm. But uh, yeah, so it's a it's a kind of a play on two different areas, right? I mean, it's called Brainborough with the symbol, of course, of the you know the X ray of the skull. There's a worm in the bedded in the brain there. Kind of a throwback to the sci-fi movies like Night of the Creeps and things like that, where there's a worm burrowing into your brain. But it's also symbolic about the show, which is I spend time really kind of digging a bit deeper with the guests, understanding more about their motivation, what they value, and just kind of going beneath the surface. So it's kind of a meshing of behavior and um, sci-fi horror, of course. Awesome. And I know you are, uh, if I pronounce this word right, behaviorist? Yeah, yeah. I actually have a background uh, about 30 years in healthcare in all sorts of different areas. And it's always focused on human behavior. I've had the privilege of training physicians and nurses and even just people out there in the community on better ways to talk with patients. So right now, for instance, I work on a program where we are working with patients who are struggling with managing chronic conditions like diabetes or COPD or other elements. And you know, traditionally in healthcare, people are told what to do. You know, somebody's eating McDonald's hamburgers and the doc's like, you know, but really what we're talking about is what's called motivational interviewing, which I've been trained on for many years. And it's really about how do we pull out intrinsic motivation from patients instead of telling them what to do. Yeah. That's actually really cool because I know, as we mentioned, I, we were talking before, way before the interview this morning, um, just about myself and about how I have Tourette's syndrome and like when I roll my eyes and go like this and like that, like I do all that. And like, I have ADHD and all that stuff. And um, the fact that like, I, w- I was telling you about all this and I had doctors that would like tell me what to do or how to act. And it's like, don't tell me how to act because it's not going to help any. And like, they always thought that medication is the key where medication helped me, but they, they had like, I eventually found a really good children's doctor in Philadelphia, which we drove like every month, two hours away, just so he can kind of guide me. And he was a really good doctor. Um, and, and that's, and that's what, you know, people need, like, they don't need doctors telling them not to do this or not to do that. There's always a way to talk to people, especially children. Yeah. Fantastic. And I'm very happy to hear that you were able to find somebody. And as you, you said the word right there, the G word guided, right? It's guiding your behavior as opposed yep. to, you know, telling you what to do. And, and I think that's an excellent point. And the reason why I use the term behavior is because it's not just about, there's so much that goes into it, right? Behavior, right? Behavior, there's actually three elements of behavior change. It's the knowledge of the change. It's an importance you put on it. And then it's mm-hmm. the confidence to do it. And it's not just training these folks to have the conversations with patients. It's training managers on how to have conversations with employees. It's, it all applies when you're looking at behavior change. 
And that's awesome. Yeah. And um, I also know that you also are in the, like you're an actor for the horror genre. So like, how did you get your start into that? Like if you think about it, it's different, like being a behaviorist and a horror actor. So how did you end up going into acting as well? Yeah. Great question. Well, so it's funny because, you know, over the years, uh, you know, we have in healthcare, we train people by using simulated patients, meaning actors who actually learn about cases and they um, act a certain way and they have to be able to understand what their behavior they're rewarding from the people that are practicing, but also being able to act. And, you know, I kind of got a taste of doing that. And I was like, I kind of like doing this, you know? So, it, it, so over time, especially uh, my colleague, Brittany Wilson, and I have just been pre- like, we've been doing that as part of our work and always being interested in horror and um, COVID of course, you know, as it impacted everybody, I had actually worked from home and I was like, and I saw an ad for um, a Kickstarter for one of my very close colleagues now, Bianca, Bianca Crespo out of Philadelphia, who's the producer of Greenboro as well now. Uh, and as she said, it was like an ad for like $300 to help with funding and, you know, come out and you have a chance to be a background extra. And I'm like, what the heck? And I did it. And since then, it's really given me a chance to connect with a lot of people and audition for things, uh, which has been an interesting you know, right. test of, you know, rejection, but also because I hear that from a lot of actors, uh, but just, just opening up to this new world. And all of a sudden, instead of talking to somebody who's struggling with cancer diagnosis, uh, because I talked a lot directly to patients too, as I, as I trained other people how to do it, all of a sudden people were talking about, um, you know, what are we going to eat on set today? And it's just seemed not to diminish problems people have in the film industry, but it's a different type of, of mm-hmm. issue that people are having. And I don't know. I enjoy it. And I've enjoyed meeting so many people in the horror community. Uh, right. It's been, it's been remarkable. Right now. Here, I have a question here uh, regarding Indiegogo now, uh, cause you mentioned how you paid that. I think you said you paid $300 yeah. to be an extra and a lot of Indiegogos, including ones that I do for my company, where you, um, where you end up, uh, donating and you get a small part in the movie it's not like you're getting a leading role or anything but you get a you get a a part in the movie Uh, i've noticed a lot of people say how that's a slap in the face to actors um because they feel like they're auditioning for these movies and then you just some others are just paying to Mm. uh, be a part of the movie whereas i see it as not a lot of people are good at either auditioning or a lot of people aren't able to, um, you know, or they like, you know, they, they need the exposure. They have no experience. They have nothing for their reel. So they pay, they get a part and now they have something for their reel. So what do you like believe or have to say to people that say that it's a slap in the face to the actors that are auditioning compared to ones that are just paying? Yeah, that's a great point. It is a kind of a controversy that's out there. And, Mm -hmm. um, And again, I think my first response to anybody is, you know, that's their perspective, right? Whatever the people that are traditional actors and the people that are saying, I've never done this before. This is a good way to get on. Or I really believe in this project and I want to invest in it. And oh, by the way, a perk is being able to do this. I think each point is valid. And I think each person has to decide what's important to them. If somebody's frustrated as an actor because they feel like they didn't make it or they want to get on a project and other PC, other people getting on, I think they have to ask themselves, why is that so upsetting to them, right? Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not criticizing them. And then the directors and the producers of these programs are like, how else am I going to get my money made? And what do I, mm-hmm. what do, I do? So yeah. I guess it's kind of almost like a generic answer to you, but I think each person has to make that decision themselves. And for me right. personally, not having any official acting background, it was a great way that I get to be connected to, you know, Bianca and kind of get introduced. And the more I did it, the more I 
got a chance to meet other people who said, hey, Mark, I worked with you on this project, this production. I can see you in this role. And that ended up not having to audition for things anymore. Right. I didn't have to pay. It was just, it, but it was my way to get kind of inserted mm-hmm. into that world. And, and one last thing, like I said, you know, um, there's people that I know that I'm like, I actually really believe in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'll donate money specifically to you, not for any perk, but just to yeah. say, Hey, I believe in what you're doing. And absolutely. And go with them there. Absolutely. And like you said, it does depend on the person and what they believe. Some people are actual actors that don't believe they should pay to be in a movie. They should be getting paid to be in the movie. Sure. And which is, is completely valid because if you think about it, acting, it might be fun, but it is some people's job. That's all oh. they have to pay the bills. That's right. So I, I do see it from both points of view. Um, it just depends on, I also think that like, you know, as you said, also, the, these people are trying to earn earn money to make a movie. Like, it is not cheap to make a movie. And if you're not going to make a good movie without raising funds, having investors, crowdfunding, and all that. So that is a big part of getting a movie made. That's right. Exactly. And, and listen, there's there's a drawback too, right? If mm-hmm. there's Obviously, it's about supply and demand. It's about opportunity cost. It's about, right? So if somebody is, if somebody typically get a doctor... Uh, mentor of mine 20 years ago told me that if you're really good at something, people are going to pay you for it. So mm-hmm. these actors who have done, gone through school, they've done a lot of other work, you know, they deserve to get paid for the amount because they're bringing their talent. you know? Yep. So, but the director needs to make it, the producer, they need to make a decision about, do I pay for people to get better talent by comparison or not? So it's, it's just, it's all about personal choices and absolutely there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so regarding um, Brainboro, uh, what made you want to start this channel up? Yeah, great question. So it's, it's actually a great example. The reason I originally started it was I used to do a lot of um, teaching, like a lot of teaching, not only in, you know, in speaking of doing stuff for free, I would work with different community health mm-hmm. centers, different people just to offer them different training right. uh, because they didn't have the resources. I mean, I got yeah. paid for stuff I did on the side too, but, mm-hmm. and I had to make decisions about that as well. Um, but for me, I think it was, I was just fascinated by the, the language of the conversation. And if, you know, people have a chance to watch those interviews, which are about just like your show, about 25, 30 minutes long, yeah. it's me doing that same type of therapeutic conversation with mm-hmm. them. So, but I started it as another way to network, almost to have like an ask, right? So if I go on set and work with um, Felissa Rose, for instance, well, guess what? After we connect, then I have a chance to say, hey, by the way, you know, are you interested in being on the show? Likewise, if I, I've met people through Brainboro, um, including some directors who are like, oh, I can actually see you playing a therapist in a, in a movie. Right. So it's actually just a way to have almost like an ask on mm-hmm. either one where I don't have to end the relationship with the goal of continuously kind of expanding the network. Absolutely. Um, good point. And I know you had some pretty big guests on your show, Daniel Harris, Felissa Rose, to name a few. Uh, Lark Park Lincoln, I believe, was on. And you also had some indie filmmakers like Mark Cantu, who was a good friend of mine. Yes. And you had him on. He's a great guy. Um, and uh, I interviewed like almost like half of his cast from Esker Academy and just sure. lo- love giving, you know, the indie community, um, you know, the, pu- the pu- publicity they need. So I guess right. what how do you go about getting guests? Like, do, do you think maybe should I go more indie actors and filmmakers? Should I give more A-list and B-list or horror screen queen type celebrities? Or how do you decide who comes on yeah. the show? Yeah, that's another great question. Um, I also want to say one more thing. The other benefit of doing this, um, I've heard a lot of people on the show and after the show say that was really not what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting like that type of 
conversation. Mm -hmm. And people have said it felt good to be able to talk about some things that I haven't verbalized it. I think about Tom Matthews on the show where he was, he talked about luck, right? And putting, attributing a lot of his success to luck. Mm -hmm. But then as the show went on, we had a conversation again, going back to behavior change, where he identified that he made his own quote unquote luck. And hit, by the end of the show, he was changing the way he was thinking about it. So to me, seeing somebody feeling better about themselves at being activated is another motivation for doing this. Yeah. That being said, your question was, how do I pick the, the guests? Well, I've in the last few weeks of Brainboro, I've actually split the show almost into two segments. Mm -hmm. And I released them on Tuesdays, which are called Up and Coming. Mm -hmm. Actually, just yesterday, I released um, an upcoming um, act, female actor um, named... Oh, it, it, she's from Russia and she's going to kill me for not being able to pronounce her name correctly, but because uh, I didn't pronounce it correctly there. But just every Tuesdays, people like you're talking about that are in the indie community who are just sort of mm -hmm. up and coming, who have done something. And then yeah. Thursdays are the icons. So last Thursday, Tom Matthews. I have some other guests, which I'm not going to reveal, that are coming up, including, you know, Thursday this week. And so I kind of split them into two. And that way it gives different people a different yeah. venue to, to talk. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you, you, and you may get like, you know, you'll get a lot of people coming to see these big, these bigger, you know, celebrities. So give them their day. And then maybe, you know, cause your channel, of course your channel is growing and you're getting the audience, you get the, uh, you end up getting the, uh, you know, the indie people on another day and you get right. them tune in for that. And then you, you give them their own time slot and then they get their own audiences. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's exactly, you know, you know, the strategy. Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so what's the hardest thing about doing your show and what is the easiest? Yeah. Great, great questions, by the way. Uh, the hardest thing for me is I'm not an editor by background. So I think just getting used to, you know, Premiere Pro is what I use. It's not supposed to be a product endorsement. Um, and knowing that I probably only use about 5% of what's available to me. So I have, you know, I, so I think, I know there's so much more I can do. I just don't know how to do it. Yeah. And so the hardest is that. And I just, I don't have the time to do it either, yeah. you know, because I have my real job and everything else. Um, yeah. So basically what you see is the, the basic version of an edited brain world. Um, the easiest, I think, is just having the conversation. I mean, my style is, you know, Sometimes people come on the show, I don't really know that much about them at all, but that was the same thing with patients, right? When you talk to yeah. patients, uh, there's lots of times when you, you may have a chart, you may have some information on them, but you go in and it's almost like the first time you're talking to them, you know, tell me a bit about how you feel about this diagnosis. Tell me a bit of what your expectations are. So that's the easiest part to me, believe it or not, just being able to listen to what the other person's saying and just sort of having a guided conversation awesome. wherever awesome. it goes. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, is the, um, is there an episode, I mean, a process, I should say of the, uh, coming up with like topics for episodes. Like I know you, like, for example, mentioned you did luck with Tom Matthews and then you did, you know, you have different episodes for each yeah. one. So yeah. is there a certain process that you do to come up with these episodes? Yeah. I love that question, by the way. I, uh, it's it, the episode name does not reveal itself until the episode's done. Mm -hmm. So for Tom, I had no idea, you know, my, my open-ended question at the beginning of each show is tell, tell me who exactly is Tom Matthews, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, we see where it goes. Some people talk about their childhood. Some people talk about their work. It just depends, right? But mm -hmm. through the course of the episode, the topic comes up. In Tom's case, it was, I called it Lucky Guy because that's what it was about. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm trying to think offhand. Uh, like Felissa's was Live a Big Life. Uh, mm -hmm. Daniel Harris's was the question came up. 
um, what if, what if I knew my death day was tomorrow? You know, is like, so what would you do? And it just, it just comes up. And then at the end of it, I'm like, okay, that's the episode title. And the reason why I call it that is I do have people that aren't in the film industry going through and saying, oh, you know what? I was really struggling with self-sabotage, which is my friend, Amelia Duncan, uh, what her title was about. She talked about how she would self-sabotage herself. So people who go through and say, oh, here's something I struggle with, or here's something I'm interested in. And it's all related to behavior. So yeah. yeah, episode title comes up after the episode's done and it's listed in such a way that people can. And that's, that's a good way to do things as well, because if you do it beforehand, especially when you don't talk to the people, um, a lot, uh, the thing is about being a writer slash filmmaker is the usually the title comes up n- during writing the script and it's usually changed three times throughout <laughs> because <laughs> the title believe it or not is always the hardest thing it should be the last thing that is that is made because it really does define the movie or in your case your show or your episode or whatever like it really is the 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 focal point that's gonna be what draws the people in really that's right exactly and, and it allows me a great analogy by the way or great parallel to, to writing it's the same thing right so that way i'm i'm, lis- I'm focused and listening to them and totally, and again, it's the same thing in healthcare, right? You may want to go in and talk to a patient about why they're not getting their prescriptions filled, but then when you're talking, they're talking about how they're struggling with their home environment. So right. that's what the topic is. So it's the same exact thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I know, um, as we mentioned, you had like, for example, Tom Matthews, Phyllis Rovic, Naomi Grossman, Lara Park Lincoln, all them on. Um, this will yeah. kind of make you think back to those episodes. So yeah. what... Um, out of all the guests you had on your show, which one do you think you relate to the most? And which one was mostly, it was like the most interesting or fascinating story you heard? Oh man, <laughs> that's a great question. And I don't want to, I mean, I don't, there's so many of them. Yeah. It's funny because the person that I probably related to the most is somebody that I have not actually broadcast their episode yet. It's going to come on next Thursday. So okay. I don't want to get me, it's a horror icon. Um, I was quite surprised about how, connected I was to her in a conversation so um so by the time people watch this on the whatever my December 16th uh, episode is that's who I'm talking about so um and just because of just her approach to things you know just Mm -hmm. her approach and her behavior her focus on behavior uh what was the second part of your question Scotty um so which one do you like which uh story um or episode did you find the most interesting or fascinating to learn about yeah you know what one I really like and this is I always put people on top five lists. So there are, there are people on the top five lists that I really enjoyed their episodes. Like Naomi Grossman, for instance, I always put her as one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked Helen Laramore's episode too. She's the um, marketing director of Madame mm-hmm. Tussauds in Los Angeles. It was interesting hearing about these different worlds altogether. But one of my favorites is, and I've told him this, is Bill Oberst Jr.'s. Uh, he had an episode called Wounded Monsters. And he talked about just that we're all wounded monsters in this world. And mm-hmm. He just was a very, very humble individual. And I just, and he actually, not only that, had some advice about just marketing yourself as something and embracing what you are as different. And I just, um, I would say, again, I don't want to single anybody out, but he was definitely very impactful. In right. I did. Awesome. Awesome. So the last question I got for you, do you have, of course, you mentioned some episodes of Brain Burrow. So if there's any of them that you have that you want to promote or uh, even like give the days again, um, also let us know where we could uh, watch Brain Burrow. And if you have any other projects or anything else you would like to plug, this is your time to, to like give it away. 
that's awfully nice of you. Yeah, I mean, if people are interested, of course, you know, you can go to the direct website, which is brainborrow.com. It's obviously brain, B-U-R-R-O-W, like they're burrowing into your brain.com. Uh, the YouTube station as well, if you just search for it on YouTube, although if you go to the main site, it links to, to everything. Um, I'm happy to say, just like I saw, you have an IMDb page yep. on this as well. I think yep. that's been extremely helpful too, yep. where people can go and if they want to get a sense of just the, to your point, mm-hmm. Daniel Harris, down to, you know, Helen, who had no IMDb page before, right. just like the range of the different people. Not that we always yep. want to rank. Um, so like I said, if you go to brainborough.com, you can do it that yep. way. And it's available on all podcast platforms and of course right. on YouTube. So absolutely. Um, as far as promotion, I mean, pretty busy year in film. Um, next year, I have some very interesting stuff that I'm doing with different people who I met and didn't have to pay for perks, by the way, because, you know, I just feel like it's coming. And again, not that either way I'm diminishing, right. but it just shows the relationships I've built with, built with people. Um, yeah, I don't. I, there's some surprises that I'll reveal later, but um, I'm very happy mm-hmm. in the spring to be working with uh, Zoe Cavanaugh, who's coming to the nice. U.S. to work on Demon Hunter 2. As an example of somebody who I connected with through through Brainboro, actually, so right, and I, and I will uh, like I will completely agree with you on that. Like, not diminishing paying for perks and that, but paying for a perk or making connections through Indiegogo's is a great way. You're you're an example of that. I'm also an example of that. I got I got in, I'm part of Heavy Duty Man that we're filming in March, uh, filming um, Reunion from Hell two in January. Both um, I made connections with the directors and. They, and they offered me parts. So, I mean, just so you know, like if you do meet connections, whether it's through Indiegogo campaigns, first of all, donate, even if you are a part of the movie or, or whatever, right. because these films need the help. Like you can't make a movie without money. I, and it's not cheap. No, I totally agree with that. And, and I think the other thing I want to say is too, um, I've also known, and I know that actors out there are going to say, of course, it's a lot of freaking work, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot of work and it's, you know, you know, it's, it, you can make great connections, but you can still yeah. not do that well as an actor. Right. So you have to continuously learn and grow. So people yeah. say, oh, I want to put you in here because I actually see value in what you're doing. Yes. So it's um, still a lot of hard work. Yeah, all of it's a lot of hard work. Absolutely. And I'm sure you are the same way. I know I am. When I look back at some of my past projects, there's like scenes that I'm like, oh, that's really good. And then there's other scenes like, oh, I'm cringing so hard at that. <laughs> Yep, you're you're exactly right. It happens all the time, all the time. Yep, and glad you and everybody's their own worst critic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they really well, are. That's right, and I think the audition process itself is just such a you know uh, really um, an interesting. Again, it's a lesson in being rejected. Yeah. And I hear all these. David Howard Thornton was the first person I talked to who really talked about nice. how you get rejected all the time. And yeah, ninety five percent. You do right, and and, it, and I see these big stars who are getting rejected. I'm like, okay, yeah. it makes sense. Um, but also I've had a lot of tips and help of actually Naomi Grossman was extremely helpful in understanding how to do auditions for me. Like she really helped me and, and I want to thank her, but also um, mm-hmm. just say that I still have a lot to learn how I'm doing things. It's, it's a learning process, Scotty, as you know. Absolutely. And definitely uh, check out uh, Mark's interview with Naomi Grossman. I love her. She's an amazing, she, of course, Pepper in American Horror Story. Um, I, I interviewed her. She's such a sweetheart. And I watched it. That was the first episode I watched because I, I really connected with her. And it was probably very, it was very touching, very, I don't know. It's just something It set well with me with that interview. 
I really enjoyed that one. Um, I do want to check out a couple more of your interviews as well. Um, I, I actually, I want to check them all out to be honest with you, but um, I definitely want to work my way up that list. And for anybody watching this, go and uh, check out Mark's IMDb page to see what anything else he has coming up. Um, you know, if you're watching this a year from now, check it out. You might see something that he couldn't promote on this episode because he didn't know about it then. Um, and uh, obviously check out Brain Burrow on YouTube. Um, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. They are very, very interesting episodes that I guarantee you everybody will learn something new about each one of the actors and filmmakers that are there. Um, but uh, I thank you, Mark, so much for joining me. It's been very fun and a big honor to uh, have you on my show and talk about this. Oh my gosh, uh, Scotty, thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, our connection and looking forward to uh, 2022 when you're on my show as well. So Absolutely, I would love that. I can't wait for that as well. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you, you too. Bye. Bye.